And I was like, great, this should be easy. We'll get like a hundred people in a room. You know, we'll, he was like, no, no, no. I'm thinking like big, I'm thinking like a thousand people in the first year. And I have never, <clears throat> I've never done anything of that scale in marketing. I've never run an event before. I never sold tickets. I never, you know, booked a venue and got speaker. We're all about turning a crappy situation into something uh, positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance. So I started something. I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> our sponsor for this episode is our 14-day video script challenge. Yes, we are sponsoring our own show. Yes, we are. <laughs> Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm your co-host, Benton Crane and CEO of Harmon Brothers. Today on the show, I am joined by a very special guest who I'm very excited to have here. I've got D Dave Gerhart with me. Now, Dave um, is, uh, without him even knowing it, he's kind of become one of my mentors. Uh, so uh, a lot of people don't realize, but I didn't grow up in the marketing world at all. Um, I didn't. I never studied it. I was never part of it. When I joined Harmer Brothers, I came in as the data geek, and um, and so I've kind of been on a learning journey myself through the whole Harmon Brothers history. I've been learning all about what marketing is and how to do it, and um, and so I, I have lots of mentors out there. Some you know have already been on the show: Russell Brunson, uh, Ryan Dice. In fact, Ryan is is the one who uh, who pointed me in Dave's direction. And said, I need to know Dave Gerhardt. Um, and so this is an interview that I've been excited about for some time because I've been following Dave and and uh, reading everything that Dave puts out there, and he's become a bit of a mentor. So uh, with that introduction, welcome to the show, Dave. That's crazy. Those two, those two guys are like legends to me in marketing, and so it's amazing to share share what's on my mind and I'm I'm learning as we go so um it's it's cool to hear yeah you kind of you kind of you kind of got me uh speechless so I appreciate that well hey um you know that those guys are uh they're they're legends for for pretty much everyone and definitely for you and me both um so yeah we, we have tons to learn from them but I I also really appreciate everything that that I get to learn from you and I'm excited for you to get to share some of that with our audience um so kind of continuing on that that introduction so Dave is the CMO of Privy, right? And the former marketing director at Drift. So right now I'm at Privy and Privy is um we're 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 an e-commerce marketing platform, which means that we basically help you stuff online if you're an e-commerce brand. Uh it could mean you have a store on Shopify, you used to basically do all the marketing for your store, email, website conversion, and text messaging. Um, and before that, I was at Drift, um, which is a conversational marketing software company. So I've kind of only been in marketing software. And uh, it's kind of been, it's been meta doing, spending a decade doing marketing and marketing software companies has really kind of forced me to learn marketing. Um, and it's, it, it's the thing that I'm probably the most passionate about. Like it, it is kind of like, it's, it's my job, but it's also my hobby. And I love doing it and, and, and love talking about it and just love the, I love the creativity of it. I love the challenge of it. And I love the feedback loop that you get. Like I'm addicted to this feeling and I know this now, but I'm addicted to the, like creating something, having a crazy idea, going on a walk, having a crazy idea, going back to the computer, 
creating it, launching it, you know, having people message you, email you, share it, like cut, see, see people come in, customers come in, whoever. Um, that's the part of marketing that I've realized now that, that I'm addicted to. And that's the thing that I just keep trying to chase through, through the company. So you run marketing at marketing companies and you mentioned that, that that's kind of meta. What, what are the challenges that come with that? I mean, I think that the challenges are like, you're, you're usually marketing, you're usually marketing to, um, a business where there's not necessarily like it's not it's not always like direct response marketing where like I'm I'm showing you this ad I'm sending you this email you're gonna go buy this thing um, where you, you the goal is like oftentimes to create a longer term relationship or you know you need to get to somebody in the company and that's really hard to track and so you don't always necessarily know like hey I'm gonna do this thing and here's exactly what I'm gonna get back for it and so I think uh, that makes it challenging. The other, the other challenge is just like marketing to people who do marketing, right? It's like, everyone's going to call out, you know, I've never made, I've never had a typo without somebody like call, you know, taking a screenshot and calling it out and, and, you know, wanting to, you know, put me on blast or, or, or like, you know, call you out on stuff. And so I do like that challenge um, because I can actually, but I, I like it because I can actually speak to like, Hey, I am. I am you, right? Like the, the greatest marketing lesson is to actually like get inside of the head of the people that you're trying to sell something to. And I am the person. And so, so that is like, that, that's the fun part, but it's also a challenge, right? It's like, you know, how, uh, how a chef would feel, you know, at, at, at a restaurant, like, uh, they're going to, they're going to judge everything that you put, that you put on the menu. So I definitely feel that part. Of it. Very cool. Let's, uh, the, let's go back in, let's go back in time. Um, you know, this is the poop to gold podcast. And, you know, we found that every successful person out there has their own poop to gold journey. And, and I want to hear about yours. So, so take me back in time to, you know, one of those points in your journey or your career where you had this crap moment that you didn't know how you were going to come out the other side of it and 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 take us to the circumstances around that <laughs> oh man i gotta come up come up with with a with an example of of, of poop to gold um I'll, I'll give you i'll give you one i think i think one example for me was when we uh when i was at drift in really like first year of the company um, my boss, David, who's a CEO gave, gave me a challenge and said, like, Hey, we want to do our first user conference this year. And I was like, great. Like we kind of have a little bit of an audience. This should be easy. We'll get like a hundred people in a room, you know, we'll, we'll throw out an Eventbrite invite. We'll do it locally here in Boston and, and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, no, no. I'm thinking like big, I'm thinking like a thousand people in the first year. And I have never, I've never done anything of that scale in marketing. I've never run an event before. I never sold tickets. I never, you know, booked a venue and got speaker. Like I just was kind of good at writing and I turned that into like, you know, blogging and writing emails. And so I had to, I had to figure out like how to, how to put on that event. And there was no, no clear budget. And, um, it was like that was that was probably the moment the, the biggest moment of anxiety that I've had in my marketing. So so you're so he's thinking like order of magnitude bigger than than where your mind was going with this. So you're you're at like a hundred and he's like, no, I need a thousand. So what do you do? Because I un and I well I well I, I understand now why, which is like sure any any company can go out in the first year and like get a hundred people to go to your go to your conference, but if we could say that we got a thousand, like the power of that would be would be amazing from a marketing perspective perspective the the pictures of that event that day just like you know we and and it actually happened so so there like 
I honestly just, I just, the first thing for me was like looking at, looking at a role model. It's like everything to me now in marketing is like, it's, it's already been done. And so number one is like, who else has already done this and who, who's done a good job. And so, um, I, I looked really closely at, at Saster, which was like a, a big event in our space that grew from, they had maybe a couple thousand people in the first year to like 15,000 people, two, three years later. And uh, I've been on their email list forever. And so I literally just dug through my inbox and started like screenshotting examples of that, uh, of that event and, and how they drove signups and start like work backwards from, from how they did it. Okay. Well, they, they didn't announce all the speakers at once. They kind of started to drip them out. And so like that gave us just a little bit of a framework to get started where, okay, I don't have to make this whole thing up on the spot. Um, let's go find somebody who's done this before. So, so like first was like modeling out who's done a good job. The second was like working backwards from, from that day and thinking about like, okay, we know that we're going to have 10, 15 speakers and they're all going to be on stage that day. Um, are we just going to like put the website up and sell tickets? Like, how are we going to do this? And so like we got on a whiteboard and literally just mapped out like, okay, what are the different tracks of speakers that we could have? Who are they? We know people that can get intros to them. And we focus on kind of getting one or two bigger name people because the the bet was that like if we could get one or two bigger name people, it would be like a snowball effect to get more. So like, you know, you reaching out to me and saying like, hey, come on your, hey, Dave, will you come on your on my podcast? Uh, before this, we had Russell Brunson and Ryan Dice on like, I'm going to be like, oh, shoot. Yeah, of course, that seems legit. And I think the same is true with with marketing that event. So then we worked back from like getting big name speakers and really just like stuck to the basics of, of marketing, which is like we gave the thing like we had a clear plan of how many tickets we needed to get to and by when worked backwards from there on the promotional side of things. And then just started mapping out like we need an angle. We need it. We need a different hook. We need a better story because everybody else uh, events were a commodity. And so sure we could just send a bunch of emails about this event, but like, what's the real reason? What's the reaction that we want out of people? And so um, David is amazing at this as a CEO. It's just like really thinking through the story. And so we came up with this name Hypergrowth event because we wanted to make it not a really tactical day of marketing um, for our core audience, but we wanted to make it more inspirational, motivational. Like this is a day that has nothing to do with marketing. It has everything to do with like helping you grow your career and you know your personal life. And so we're going to bring you speakers from all around life. We're going to bring you authors and athletes and entrepreneurs and leaders and salespeople. But this is not like we almost came out very clearly and said, even though we sell marketing software, this is not a marketing conference. And I think I don't know how to quantify it, but I think like having that clear take and positioning of the event ended up, you know, having the most ROI versus like, you know, it's not like we had some magic Facebook ad that we ran that like brought it in or because I copied one of the SaaS sales that like we got more, more registration. I think it was because like we had this really clear take uh, on the world. And, and through that, I've just kind of learned that like it just pays in marketing to have an opinion. And like, I, I went from kind of just going with the flow, like even, even me, like how I do interviews now, I think is different. Cause I'm like, you know what, I'm just going gonna, gonna to give a real opinion and, and talk about who I really am because People, things seem to resonate so much stronger with you, with, with your audience, if you can actually have an opinion. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to go to that event. But, but you do so much, you do such a better job of actually cutting through the noise and getting people to pay attention with you if you can really speak clearly about who you're for and why.
It, interesting. So your approach on, you know, even though you're marketing software, but the event is not a marketing conference. What about on the targeting side? Did you still target marketers to attend the conference? We, we did, but like not specifically, right? That, that's who our audience was by default. And so like every time you're going to market to that audience, most of the people that are going to sign up are, are those marketers. But we, we didn't like, it wasn't like attention marketers. This is your, uh, this is the event you should go to. It was more like, hey, you happen to be in our audience and, and your marketers. So you, you, might, you might be interested in this. Um, and we kind of had a feeling that like we could build an agenda around people that would be interesting to, to those types of people without having to like do specific talks about like Facebook ads and email and video. T take me through some of the conversations that led up to that decision, because I was, I would imagine there was some pretty hearty debate around, should this be a marketing conference versus, you know, what, what you ended up with? Cause, because we, we launched the event, not the event was not a sales event. Like meaning, meaning we weren't launching, we weren't doing the event because we had X number of, you know, dollars in revenue that we were trying to generate. It was, strictly a brand play where okay. we said, look, we will, we will do this amazing event and we just want to see what happens. And by the way, if you go and look at the numbers after it was an amazing sales event for us because like people actually did buy and, 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 and we, you know, tracked the pipeline of those people after, but it wasn't like, you know, come learn more about drift and we're going to try to sell you more of our product on that day. And so there wasn't the pressure to like, you know, there wasn't like a big lounge where, where people were, giving demos and the sales team was in, in blazers and, and ties trying to book meetings. It just, just didn't feel like that. And that was, you know, an amazing learning for me marketer from a, from a, from a brand perspective and that like brand brand does drive demand if you, if you do it right. Uh, and yep. so the, the thought was like, Hey, in the early days where we could be out just asking people for money right now, let's just have an amazing event and have everybody talking about like, Holy cow drift had a thousand people. They had to call the fire marshal cause we had people overflowing into the streets. Like that's the story that we were trying to optimize for not like, Oh, we generated a million dollars in revenue from it. Um, and so I think that really made a difference up front where it would it would have been much harder and we would have made different decisions if it was like, hey, we need to do an event that's going to generate a million dollars. Like, I think it's a different it would have been a different. Right. Right. So I, I want to dig into a little bit of um, how Drift pulled that off. But I, I want to give a little context to my question first. So, um, you know, one thing that, you know, we're always talking about here at Harmon Brothers is that, you know, a new and young startup needs to have sales coming in the door to keep the lights on and keep people paid and all of that stuff, right? It's the lifeblood of, of the company. Uh, but as soon as they're, you know, as soon as they're able, they really need to start getting serious about building their brand because the brand is what's going to sustain them for the long haul. It's the difference between, um, you know, a one hit wonder like Snuggy, you know, who sells a bunch, but they never become a brand versus something that, that stands the test of time, like, you know, a Nike or an Apple or something that, you know, just gets stronger and stronger as time goes on. Um, with Drift being a brand new, you know, a brand new company at that point, uh, from a cash perspective, how did they pull off an event like that so early in their history? Um, it, it, did you guys already have kind of a base of sales that could support that? Or did you guys kind of have to take a little bit of a leap of faith with the investment around that event? Um, so, I mean, we had we had budget to do it. So we're, we, the, the company is a venture-backed company and they had raised they had raised a bunch of money, you know, and at the Series A, 
Uh, and so like we, we did, we had budget to go out and do stuff with marketing, but we also charged for tickets. And, and I think we were pretty close to break even on that event in the first year, but yeah, we had, we had budget to do it. I would say like, if you and I were bootstrapping a company, it probably wouldn't be the first thing that I would do would be to, to go try to do a thousand person event because they're not cheap. Right. So uh, if you guys were already at series A, that means that you had, you know, a proven product and a customer base um, that, that, you know, brought the investor or gave the investors the confidence and the faith in the future of Drift in order for them to back that, right? Right. And and, and that was like, that was, that was part of the, you know, reason that I joined in the first place, which is, hey, these are the two guys that started this company are, are proven entrepreneurs. Uh, this is the third company they'll have done together. And so like they were able to, you know, rate, raise money from people who, who didn't necessarily care about what they were going to go do. Like, hey, we believe in you guys as founders. So, you know, here, here's, you know, here's this check and go and build a company. And that's what I was able to just attach my my wagon, uh, my wagon too. But, but yeah, it wasn't like, you know, there was no, there was no money to go out and, and, and do an event. But I do think that, um, even though like, I, I hear what you said about like, you got to have sales first, but I actually think like the number one thing that we did at Drift in the early days, days was we, we built an, like even before that event, that event happened like after I had already been there for years. And mm -hmm. over the course of those two years, before we before we were even selling our product yet, we were building an audience, right? And so we were creating content. We had a podcast. We had a newsletter. And so like, even though people had no idea what the Drift product was, they started to know Drift. And so like, when we, when we launched our event, it was perfect because we had this audience primed and we said, hey, you've gotten to know us over the last two years. Well, guess what? We have an awesome opportunity for us to actually like, connect in real life now here's this story and so like i think no matter what you do in marketing i think the number one thing that that you have to do is to build an audience first because it makes everything easier it makes it easier it makes you know events easier it makes content easier it makes everything you do easier so um i i hear what you're saying on you know you got to have sales first think i actually think like before you have sales you have to build an audience gotcha yeah, audience building is is one of those things that I always look at as um, I guess an evergreen process that um, that starts right at the beginning and it never ends. Um, it, it, I don't know what what are your thoughts on on, on audience building? Do you ever kind of um, uh, shift focus from okay now we're in audience building mode and now we're in you know what's the next mode? How do you guys think about that? I think I think it's got to be I think you I think you learn to juggle them both. Usually you start off with audience building and then at some point you move to sales uh, and then you have to be able to, to, to do those two things together, right? So like the way that you're going to build and, and they're going to feed each other, right? Long-term sales yep. is going to continue to be easier if you're also building an audience. So like, yes, you want to sell, you want to have a, a sales funnel and, and be able to sell stuff. But at the same time, like you need to be, I, I think I, I said something like a couple of weeks ago on, on Twitter that it was like, Twitter's so weird about what gets picked up and not. But like I tweeted, don't, don't build a marketing team build a media company for your niche. And I think that that's really important because I think every product in every industry, just given how many, how much noise there is in the market right now is like, is a commodity. 
like you guys, you know, you guys make videos. There's, there's probably a, a thousand other companies that, that, but the unique opportunities to like, to differentiate through your brand and to build, you know, to not just share like, Hey, here's, Hey, like it, it now costs X to buy a Harmon brothers video, like contact us today. Like, no, like you should own Harmon brothers should own video should own the topic of video marketing and like create mini shows for people who are interested, a podcast, video, blog, write the, write the book on video marketing. And so you build, you build a, a brand around this topic. And then by the way, the people that, the people that are behind this topic also have something to sell you and it's called our, our product. And so like, that's just, that's the approach that I've, that I have learned and, and would take. And I think any company can really take that no matter what you're doing. Like I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm in Vermont, I'm at my in-laws house and, and my father-in-law is down there and he, he's a carpenter. And if he was like, Hey, I want to like do marketing and I want to help build a brand before we even sold any of the services, the number one thing that I would do is position him as like a leader, you know, start a YouTube channel about like, do it yourself, do it yourself stuff at home. And he's creating it, right. Mm -hmm. Have him write like, you know, three or four guides on, on the topic, do interviews on the topic, fill that web with video testimonials and like examples of him. And then by the way, then we actually have something to sell you, which is, which is him as a service. And so I think the bigger opportunity is to, is to think about that. It's not even building an audience it's to really turn your long-term marketing strategy into uh, into a media company. And then through that, people know, like, and trust you. And that's where you're going to get more people to to buy your stuff. First, the other option is you only basically have a sale or you only have a, a checkout button on your site. That's it. Like why have anything else? Yeah. I've, I've seen it. Um, I've seen so many examples of companies, you know, I use Snuggy as an example, but um, you know, we've even had a few of our clients who um, you know, they, they launch a sales campaign and it starts bringing money in the door and they get all excited and they think they've made it. And, and it's like, Oh wow. You know, we're spending a dollar and we're getting $3 coming back in the door. So, you know, we have our money printing machine. We're good to go. And then they, um, you know, they get complacent and, and they don't do all of those things you talked about in terms of building the brand, building the audience, positioning themselves as, as experts in the, in their niche. And that little bit of success ends up being so short lived for them. Uh, so I, I couldn't agree with you more on, on the importance of this stuff. No, like you mentioned, um, like, like a use, use Russell Brunson and, and click funnels, like as a, as an example of a brand, and maybe this is like a way for other people to think about it's like a Brit because he has a brand personally there's a whole audience of people are gonna that are willing to like pull out their credit cards no matter what he does next and that's like the part that's really that, that that's real almost like indefensible as a brand as a company like you you want to do that for whatever product you're selling um and i just i don't think enough people have actually applied that to a business you kind of only see it with more like consumer consumer oriented. So, a um, couple of final questions for you, Dave. So, our audience is largely largely made up of entrepreneurs, marketers, and of course, video people. Um, if you had to give that group one piece of advice on how to succeed in today's market, what would that one piece of advice be? Focus on creativity. I don't think there's enough. I think something. So, whatever's happened in the last decade in in business or so, like. Everything's tried to just become a, a machine or a formula where I think like uh, creativity is the thing that sets you apart. At the end of the day, no matter what happens, people always want like they always want to be entertained and they always want education. And I think the key to do that, the skill that like 
But there's so much happening in, in technology right now where everybody thinks that so many things in sale and marketing or business are going to be replaced by AI. The one thing that's never going to get replaced by AI is is creativity. And so I think like I, I always share this because I want to be like I want to bring creativity back into into marketing, especially the world that I'm in, which is B2B marketing. I think marketing can be fun. It can be entertaining. And creativity is the thing that's going to set you apart, not necessarily like you know, you can run, you can run a business by a spreadsheet better than somebody else. I, I think create, you know, creativity is the variable for, for success. I think that's a line that I, I have from Gary V and I, I love that he, I love that he has it boiled down to that. Like, you know, think, think about Facebook, for example, Facebook ad targeting has got, they don't even want to do the ad target. They don't even want you to do the ad targeting anymore. They want to do it all for them. Amazing. Focus yeah. on the creative, like creative is the variable for success. I love it, man. You're, you're speaking my language there. <laughs> I figured, I figured you'd like that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And finally, can you give us a sneak peek on what your current big play is? So at Privy, we, um, when, when I joined the company, they had almost half a million people using the product. Everybody knew them as um, pop-ups for Shopify. Like you could use website pop-ups to grow your Shopify store. And when I joined, the big play that we really wanted to start to work on was positioning the company as the leader in e-commerce marketing. Shopify is your storefront, but Privy is how you actually get people into your store. And so that's why we did things like launch the e-commerce marketing show, which is our podcast. We've done 30 episodes now. and That's been amazing. And, and really create a whole content strategy around being the leaders in e-commerce marketing. And so that means like having all the content that anybody would ever search for and define there. And the big play that we're working on right now is um, writing the like the playbook leading up to Black Friday, Cyber Monday in, in the fall. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity to write like the definitive playbook for e-commerce marketing. And so we're really trying to own that term and create all of the, basically build a media company around that, like we talked about. I love it. I love it. That, that's amazing. Um, thanks for having us on. Or th- thank, you for, thank you for being a guest on the show, Dave. It's so good to uh, get to know you in person. Like I mentioned, I've been following you for a while now. So this has been fun for me to get to pick your brain. Yeah, me too. I've been listening to your podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to continue to do that. I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the work that you guys do. And I think I, I point to your stuff as an example of like when someone says like, okay, can you give me an example of like creativity used for business? I, I, I kind of always send them to your, your stuff, especially on YouTube. So keep going. Awesome. Th- thank you. I really appreciate it. We're, we're trying to blend the worlds of, you know, sales and marketing. Um, so often we feel like people think it has to be one or the other. And, and we're trying to bridge that gap and, and show that you can do both. Um, Dave, where can our listeners follow you? I'm at Dave Gerhardt, um, everywhere, Twitter, LinkedIn. I've been posting more on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is more where I share like most of my marketing stuff. And then Twitter is just kind of like every a little bit of everything. All right. Well, for our listeners, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And of course, if you if you want to know more about how we've built the creative culture here at Harmon Brothers, you can check out the book From Poop to Gold. And we'll see you on the next episode. As entrepreneurs and small businesses, we all kind of reach that point where we know we've created something awesome and we want to share it with the world, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that very next step that can oftentimes be really intimidating or really scary, or you just don't know where to go next, right? And the beautiful thing about this 14-day script challenge is you get your hand held from 
okay, you have this cool product, now let's go research and find the exact way to present it and message it to the world in a way that resonates and gets people excited and they're ready to swipe their credit card and purchase. And in the 14-day script challenge, you get the opportunity to go through that step-by-step with our writers who have done it dozens and dozens of times. You actually watch us go through each of the steps ourselves and create it with a real client, a real product, and um, it's a real campaign that's out there that's been very successful. That's right. And the feedback that we've had on this thing has just been phenomenal. I mean, we get comment after comment and emails flowing in from people all over the world who have just uh, raved about the impact that this has had on their business. People tell us over and over again, it is just a huge value punch for the investment for this 14-day script challenge and, and really gave them the tool set they needed to walk through it and make it happen. And we've had dozens of students who have successfully taken the challenge, written their script, launched their ad campaigns, and driven success for their business. It's pretty amazing. For more information, go to hbros.co slash script. That's hbros.co slash script.